There can't possibly be anything more uncomfortable than criticizing Sidney Crosby. And I'm not going to do it here. And I'm not going to do it because I'm worried about criticizing. I'm not going to do it because it doesn't apply yet. But, but, good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. The Penguins lost in Edmonton last night 5-2. to two. And depending on which portion of the game you want to emphasize, they either played really well or really poorly or somewhere in between. A lot of two-on-one breaks, but it, it, it was really more about what the Oilers were doing, specifically Connor McDavid was doing, to create those breaks uh, seemingly out of nothing. And if you don't face that team or that player on a regular basis, it's going to catch you off guard and flat-footed. And then when you compound that with the many mistakes that were made by the top pairing of Chris Letang and Brian Dumoulin, yeah, that's that's where it's going to end up. Uh, One of those was an empty netter, meaning Edmonton's goals. The other four were scored on Tristan Jari, and not a one of them was remotely Jari's fault, which is something that's pretty rare. But you know what else didn't happen? The game was 2-2. The Penguins were dominating possession, shots on goal, shot attempts, pretty much everything. And the game needed a game-breaker. The game needed a goal early in the third period to put Pittsburgh on top to define the remainder of the game. It didn't happen. It didn't come. It didn't come from anybody. But it also didn't come from Sid. This is what Sid had to say uh, to reporters in Alberta after the game about, in general, the way things went for the Penguins. I think, you know, the way we played the last couple periods, or, or sorry, the first two periods, were, was really good. You know, just you know, try to try to find that. You know, for for sixty minutes. But um, I thought, you know, for the most part, our effort was pretty good, especially after last game. And just got to find a way to to execute and and convert on some chances here. I mean, it's it's hard to win games if you're scoring one, two goals every night. You know, we got to find a way to to put a few more in the back of the net, and uh, and with that, you know, keep on defending hard. That's an accurate and fair summation. That's what you get from the captain. Uh, He was right on all counts. The Penguins did do a lot of good things. Penguins did give up those odd man breaks. The Penguins did not get that goal that they needed. What's left out of that is that you're going to want to start seeing some of that come from Sid. Uh, he did win the face-off that led to a beautifully designed play uh, off the draw in the uh, Edmonton zone where John Marino fired a bullet pass across to Jake Gensel for a one-timer to beat Miko Koskinen. And, I mean, really, really nice work, not only by the players, but also by the coaching staff that came up with it. But that was Sid's 
offensive contribution. And through 12 games, he's got two goals and eight assists, which, you know, doesn't sound all that bad. It's, you know, it's 10 points over 12 games. It's a healthy sounding pace. But you're watching just like I'm watching. And you're seeing what I'm seeing. And Sid's not there yet. And finding progression from game to game isn't all that easy either. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. It's hard to characterize this as a slump. It's not fair. As I said, you know, he's got a decent number of points per game. And it's not like he's got some protracted scoring slump meaning with the goals themselves. But he's not back. He's not all the way back. And I am not anywhere within the solar system of assigning such a thing to his being 34 years old. 34 isn't that old in terms of professional athletics. It just isn't. Not in any sport, unless maybe like you're a running back in football, maybe that would be the one. Sid is still keeping himself in very Sid-like shape. We see on occasion the burst, but we're not seeing the production. And my feeling right now, and it's just that, it's a feeling, is that he needs to start gunning. And I mean, like, the guy that you hate on your team doing it gunning. And you know what I'm talking about here, okay? <laughs> Those of you who have played with or coached someone who is uh, at any level of hockey, the type to just shoot, 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 no matter the situation, you can't stand those individuals in the regular season, but you know when you love them? In the playoffs, because those are the people who get the goals. Sid needs to start gunning, and I'm not saying that just because when Mario came out of his retirement, he turned himself into Brett Hall Part 2 by parking himself in the left side of the zone and just gripping and ripping. I'm saying it because I think it's a good way to get Sid's confidence back up, to get his feel for the puck, to get his feel for the goaltenders back. Right now, to me, it feels like he's moving around the perimeter too much, even when the puck is at the net. He's kind of leaving himself off to the left or up too high. He needs to put a couple away. The single most underappreciated aspect of Sidney Patrick Crosby's brilliant NHL career has always been his shot. He himself has occasionally denigrated his shot. And in fact, he's been better known for his backhand than his forehand, making him 
probably the first truly generational player to have that attached to him. But either shot, forehand, backhand, deke, slap, wrist. All right, he doesn't do great on slap shots, but he's got all of them, and he's not using them. Through these first two games on this Western Canada trip, in Calgary and in Edmonton, he has totaled one shot on goal. That's not an opinion I'm sharing with you. That is a stat. That is right there on the sheet. One shot. And in this game, against these Oilers, who were missing one, two, three, four defensemen, including Cody Ceci, he only got one shot on goal. Why? Well, you can say Jake's been really effective with that. Jake's been shooting well. He's feeling it. You want to get him the puck? Okay, to some extent. Evan Rodriguez, their line mate, has been all over the puck. He's just constantly on it, which is great for possession, but not always great in terms of getting it back. Evan's not going to be the guy that's going to uh, skate and create. He's going to do the first thing. He's going to get the puck, and he's going to around the zone. But he's not going to get crafty and say, hey, let's set up 87 for a one-timer here somewhere or a backdoor shot or something like that. Sid needs to take it upon himself to get the puck to the net. Even if it feels unnatural, I I could be wrong on this, but I don't believe that I will be. I believe that if he takes the rink in Vancouver this weekend and then in Seattle after that, with that mindset, he's going to pop a couple goals and he's going to come home feeling a lot more involved in the offense than he probably does right now. There, does that qualify as criticism? Huh? No? Not really? Okay, good. Because that's the way I wanted it. When we come back, just one question. Just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com/dk. FuboTV.com/dk. And today's J1Q comes from John, who says, Connor McDavid, I believe, is in his seventh season now. Mario Lemieux won the Cup in his seventh season with the Penguins. Do you think that McDavid and these Oilers that we just saw can win a Cup this year? First off, John, to to confirm what you have there uh, at at your beginning, uh, yes, this is... McDavid's seventh season. Seems crazy, right? Like, awfully fast. You know what else it seems like? He's never really been in the playoffs. I mean, they had that one run where they won a couple of rounds very early in his career, and not much of anything since then. Uh, My belief here 
won't be swayed one way or another by the Oilers finishing off a lot of pretty two-on-one rushes in that game last night. That is something everyone's known that they could do for a long time. McDavid, in particular, makes a living off the rush. The passes that he made, uh, particularly to Zach Hyman, were just they were otherworldly. It's not just the speed that he comes with. It's the touch. It's the awareness. It's making sure that Tristan Jari commits to him before dishing. It was, I mean, it was artful stuff. He is what he is. I'm not denying that he is the most gifted individual player in the world. But I'm also not about to be fooled. Uh, The Oilers did make some upgrades on defense, and and I'm not just going to point to CeCe, although the people in Edmonton will tell you that he's been either their best guy or close to it on the blue line, which shouldn't surprise any listener of this program. But I am anything but a buyer on Miko Koskinen. It was a gross overpay and overcommitment by the Oilers to just anoint him a franchise goaltender out of nowhere, which is, that's really what they did. Like, they just they just decided, this is our star goalie, and we're going to pay him as such. <laughs> and he hadn't done anything to earn it. I've seen no signs that he would be the kind of goalie that you could ride through a couple of rounds, never mind all four of them. So right off the bat, that to me is a is an X on the most important thing that you need in the playoffs. Beyond that, if you look at Edmonton's analytics, you're not going to see a whole lot past McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, this is a team that does not get depth scoring of any kind. And that's also a difficult place to be when you're in the playoffs. The third one that I'll throw in here as a factor is mindset. Remember when Edmonton was knocked out by Winnipeg last year in the first round and all this crying, not just not just from the Oilers fans, but all across Canada, well, except Manitoba, about how the Jets were just being so mean to McDavid and let him play and this and this, and he pretty much went along with it. The Oilers complained nonstop about the officiating in that series. And listen, regardless of what you think of the officiating in any given playoff game or any given playoff series, that's part of the playoffs. You have to play through it. If we are talking about, as everyone seems very comfortable doing, one of the greatest players in the history of hockey, then guess what? His own rite of passage is going to be the same as the other people on that incredibly exclusive list. He's going to have to find a way to fight through it. He's going to have to find a way to be more productive in the games that count the most. The Jets rendered him completely invisible. Him and Dreisaitl. Both of them. Well, if you shut those two guys down... And the other, and and you've got uh, Miko Koskinen to beat. 
That's a formula for success. First round or fourth round? I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do it again tomorrow.